the power of the cross. Galatians 6:14. But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. What Jesus accomplished at Calvary on the cross where he was crucified was nothing short of the most massive seismic shift to be recorded in human history. The cross and what was accomplished by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the transactional point between life and death. This pivotal transactional point and what was accomplished is the doorway to the fulfillment of an eternal life now while we are here on earth. What Jesus did and what he set in motion has given all and everyone who has been chosen before the foundations of the world the opportunity and access to lay hold of the life of the upward call that is in Jesus Christ, being separated and crucified to the world. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. For many, we have only made the cross about the justification of our iniquity and sin. We have made the cross primarily about our absolute need to be cleansed of our defiled state and made righteous by the blood of the Lamb. And for many, we have stopped there. We stop at the cross and focus on the cleansing or atonement as opposed to the cross, the Christ giving us the complete access to being made whole and bringing into a brand new life in Christ that can now possess every promise in the Son, living in and from and for the complete purpose and the will of God, which is now and in the future. The cross and what was accomplished by Jesus is to crucify the old man, the spirit of pride, and birth the new man, giving light and life to becoming the mature bride, the body of Christ to which he is the head. The cross is to set us apart from the world and the world apart from us. This is what I want to unpack in these writings. Let's start with Galatians 6.14 and then unpack some other passages of the same kind. The first point I want to make from verse 14 is that Paul said the only thing he would boast about was the cross. The question we have to ask ourselves is why? What is it about the cross that captivated Paul to this degree? We are talking about a Jew who was above his contemporaries in the law, advancing in Judaism, and yet he considered all this but rubbish compared to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, which only comes through the cross. Paul, who was Saul, has been transported from one dimension into another. He has gone from being Saul, a man of the flesh, to Paul, a man of the spirit. This is one man, but two lives. He has experienced the living transformational power of the resurrected life of Jesus Christ within him. He is an eyewitness of experiencing the supernatural power of the cross, taking him from being dead in iniquity and sin as Saul and transplanting him into being resurrected into Jesus Christ where his life would now be hidden in Christ. Paul had fellowship with the cross, and yet he was not physically crucified. Is it any wonder why he would only boast in the cross of Jesus Christ? What he once considered absolute foolishness and a stumbling block 
he would now consider and know it's the wisdom of God, and he would only talk of this truth. 1 Corinthians 2, 2 says this, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He also wrote this in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I want to repeat something I just shared in relation to these words. I have been crucified with Christ. Why did Paul say that he was crucified with Christ when he was not physically crucified on a cross. He says it was with Christ. Paul didn't get physically crucified with Jesus. So what is he talking about? Is Paul talking about a technical position because of what Jesus did? Or is he literally talking about experiencing his own personal crucifixion through receiving the one who was crucified for him? Was Paul just mentally agreeing with the cross? Or did he experience in the cross going to work within him, circumcising the spirit of pride, crucifying it to its death, a work accomplished by the spirit and the spirit alone? Agreeing with the cross intellectually and experiencing the cross via the spirit are two very different dimensions. Paul experienced his own personal encounter with the work of Jesus Christ on that cross, and it performed a work within him, which is Galatians 6.14 says, the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. This is the testimony of having fellowship, oneness with being crucified with Jesus on your inside, in your heart, the inner depth recesses of the inner being. This is where we see the divine connection between these two passages of Galatians 2.20 and Galatians 6.14. Look at what Paul says in 2.20, and it is no longer I who lives. The I Paul refers to is the spirit of pride which lives in every person until it is crucified by God's cross of Jesus Christ. The I dies and the new creational spirit of humility is birthed. Have we experienced this reality in us? Have we too been crucified with Christ in this kind of way of the Spirit? If not, then we have not been crucified with Christ. And the I spirit of pride continues to have a heartbeat and live in the depth of the recesses of who we are. I is still untouched and uncrucified by the cross. So we are still controlled by I and not love. We are covered by love, no doubt, but we are yet to be crucified by love as Paul was. So we lack the spirit of humility operating in us. Paul says Christ lives in me, while I, the spirit of pride, still lives in us if it hasn't been crucified with Christ. These are ultimately of two kinds of positions or postures, and we are unable to live out what the other can. As we have previously looked at in Acts 8 with Simon, we are no different to him at all on the inside of us. We may believe and be baptized in water, but our inner realm remains intact 
still being full of iniquity. The context to our behavior may be different than Simon's, but at some stage with the right pressure or situation or circumstance or when the word is spoken, the spirit of pride will present itself. Paul would only now boast in the cross because he now has a reference for what the cross of Christ had performed in him. Paul, knowing his old life and his old way as Saul, would have a very clear testimony of the work Jesus had done and was doing. Once again, the reason for why he would only speak of Jesus and Jesus crucified. Paul knew that it was the divine grace of God alone that could perform such a divine work within him. And he constantly wrote about this grace. No amount of human learning was going to perform this transformative work in him, which would enable and empower him to live the way he did. This leads us onto the second point of the verse 14 statement, where we see Paul tell us that through the cross, the world has been crucified to him and him to the world. This is a massive statement. The world has been crucified to him and him to the world through the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ separates the world from us and us from the world. Yes, 100% the cross does this work of crucifixion, circumcision of the heart, so we can be free from the bondage of the world, the bondage of self, I, the spirit of pride, which is in all of us from birth, and be set free to live a brand new creation in Jesus Christ. It's important to acknowledge that the cross is the only one part of a two-part picture. The second part of this picture is the resurrection. You can't separate the cross from the resurrection, neither the resurrection from the cross. Both are ultimately a position of one, and it is from this position of oneness that Paul lived his life. Paul was not only crucified with Christ, but he was raised up with Christ. Paul not only died, the spirit of pride, I, but he was raised up as a brand new creation in Christ with the spirit of humility. Paul not only had fellowship with the cross, he had fellowship with the resurrection. Paul could fully identify himself with Christ in death and life. I wonder, can we and do we? Do we have the experiential knowing of the piercing of the cross? And do we have the experiential knowing of the power of being raised from death to life? It is both of these spiritual realities in Jesus Christ that has the world being crucified to us and us to the world. It is these two dimensions which are in one reality, which set us on a brand new journey propelling us into the kingdom or the realm of our Messiah called the kingdom of God. The cross and the resurrection became a transitional T intersection in our lives. They are a marker, a moment where we transact from living from one world and all its ways to living from a completely new world and a way of being. The world and its mode of operating no longer have a hold on us and they no longer define how we live and what or who we live for. We have entered into the new creational life in Christ, which Scripture speaks of, through the death and the resurrection of the Son. This is a brand new life, not a modified one, 
or one with a few tweaks here and there. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Paul wrote this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. What does it mean to be in Christ? Because it is the only those who are in Christ who are new creatures, where the old have passed away and new things have come. This is not a technical position. This is not a theoretical position based on principle, but it is a position based on personhood. We see this in Christ reality everywhere in the scriptures. And with it truly comes an eternal reality, an eternal dimension life to experience and live from. This in Christ life doesn't exist just because we say it does. We must experience the powerful reality of this in him because this is where the living reality of the scriptures exists. The in him life is found in the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The new things that have come are all connected to the in him life. The old things have passed away. The life we are born in and the ways of the old are done, gone, put to bed with, because we are now in him. The question we then ask is, what are the new things that have come? What are the new realities we are to now live from? What have we come into from being crucified and resurrected with the Christ? These things are the outcomes we can expect from being in him. The scriptures are explicitly clear of the life we can receive, know, and live from if we are in him through the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if we have fellowship, oneness with those things. To not be in this reality over time is to not be in him, and this must be addressed. To not be in him is to still be in oneself, and so one is still void of the life that's in Christ within you. Even though you have believed and you may have been baptized in water, one's inner realm is still untouched unaffected by the cross, so there is no new life within you. How can a person believe, be baptized in water, and be told their heart is not right before God as Simon was in Acts? The reason? Because their heart is still to be circumcised, crucified by the cross, birthing a brand new spirit within them of humility through the resurrection. Acts 8.21 And so they are still in bondage to the things of old, the spirit of pride, rather than laying hold of the new things which have come, because they are now new creatures in Christ. As mentioned, this is all connected and intertwined with the crucifixion and the resurrection. And whether we have divine fellowship, oneness with these two external acts, or just an association with them through a mental or verbal agreement. Let's look at more scriptures that testify of this powerful gospel which crucifies and resurrects and brings us into the new creational life in Christ. Romans 6, 5-6 If we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. Do you notice that? The old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin 
might be done away with, so we would no longer be slaves to sin. This testimony from Paul is breathtaking. The position of oneness being described is life-changing if we had entered into this. If is the appropriate word here, as there is a massive difference between a mental and verbal agreement with this truth as opposed to experiencing the tangible reality of this truth like Paul did. What does it mean to be united or one with him in the likeness of Christ's death? The key words here are united and likeness. What does it mean to have fellowship or oneness with Christ in his crucifixion? To experience the crucifixion in such a way that your old self is tangibly crucified with Christ, as Paul says, where you know, you know that you know that you know on the inside you have been set free from self because of the work done in you. We must all experience this reality. This isn't some intellectual agreed position which you say yes to, but the tangible experience of death occurring within you of your old self, your old man, the spirit of pride, the old demonic nature which gets crucified by the word of the cross where you are internally changed. This is the first aspect of testimony here that Paul gives the tangible experience of the crucifying of his old self with Christ. He uses that word knowing, which is gnosko, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him. He goes on to say that the purpose of this was so that our body of sin would be done away with. So we are no longer slaves to sin. This verse is connected to verse 5 which talks about tangibly experiencing the likeness of his resurrection as well as his crucifixion. You cannot separate these two events from one another as they are one in him, even though they are two separate landmark events that took place. In the likeness of his death, in the likeness of his resurrection. Another word for likeness is kind, and we are to be of one of the same kind with both. When we are united with him in both, we are free to live out a life of righteousness by faith in him, just as he did, by having faith in his Father. As it says, the purpose for this is to be free us from the nature and power of being slaves to sin. Verse 18 goes on, it says that we are now to be slaves to righteousness. Paul never got on the cross with Christ, and yet he testifies to being crucified with Christ. He is saying, I may as well have been because I have received the death of my old self. I saw died that day. This is what he is testifying to. And we have to ask ourselves the same thing. Have we actually, in a tangible way, experienced being crucified with Christ? It's all an oxymoron. Jesus was alive spiritually, but had to die physically, for there needed to be blood spilt for our sin. We are dead spiritually and alive physically. As our old man who is alive and well is crucified by the power of the cross, he no longer lives. He ceases to exist, which prepares us for the resurrection from the dead by the power of Jesus. 
Paul testifies to being raised from this dead position of self by the power of the resurrection in a number of places in the scriptures. Let's read these out so we can get a clear picture of the man's living testimony, not his theological position in the mind. Galatians 6, 14 is the first one which we have already looked at 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 the beginning of this message. Let's look at Galatians 2.20 and read the whole thing. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live, in this flesh body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Colossians 2.12 having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead, him being Jesus. 1 Corinthians 6.14, Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Ephesians 2.5-6, Even when we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel did not come in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Galatians 1 verse 12 For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. This is the gospel. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.17 For Christ has not sent me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would be made void. Philippians 3.10 That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death in order that I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. 2 Corinthians 13.4 For indeed he was crucified because of weakness, yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him because of the power of God directed towards you. 1 Corinthians 2.2 For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 1.23, but we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Galatians 1.15, but when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, his power, was pleased to reveal his son in me. And the last one, John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. We can see from Paul's letters to the churches that he experienced the tangible actuality of the power of the cross to do what it was predestined and intended to do which was to perform a work in the depths of the recesses of the heart of man through receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ in him. 
This is the key to it all. It's not about trying to die or to crucify oneself. It's not about trying to enter into the resurrected life through human learning or study. It's all and only about receiving the revelation of Jesus Christ and the ongoing revelation of Jesus Christ within you. John 11:25 is extremely profound as Jesus makes these two emphatic statements of truth. Firstly, he says, I am the resurrection. And secondly, he says, and the life. The words and the life is the exact same words as John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, Jesus is the embodiment of everything pertaining to life as we know it. Hence, the absolute need and requirement to know him and continue to come to know him via the revelation. It's not about going after the outcomes or the events, but it's all about coming to know him through revelation. We don't seek him for the crucifixion, and we don't seek him for the resurrection. We seek him and receive him to know him for who he is. And as a result of this, we will receive the outcomes of both. The receiving of the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life in our innermost being through revelation of the Spirit's power is the one who is crucified with Christ and has the spirit of pride crucified within them. At the very same time, this person receives the resurrection power of Christ and is resurrected into Christ and the new creation way of living, this new life that's in Christ receiving the reality of now being poor in spirit. This is all accomplished by God's power, and it is a finished work in the heart of the person. It's not being finished or is finishing, but it is finished reality. One is now able to give testimony like Paul and say, I have been crucified with Christ, and I, the spirit of pride, no longer operates and lives in me, as he stated in Galatians 2.20. This doesn't mean we have arrived, but the spirit of pride has been crucified that was preventing us from entering into this life. They are also able to give testimony to the power that has raised them into this brand new life, which they have never had any reference for at all in their lives before. This is a completely new life source that now lives within a person, which we're able now to live from. Ephesians 3, 16 to 17 testifies to this. It says that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It goes on to say that we would enter into this love that goes beyond our ability to grasp in the mind. All this comes to be our reality through coming to know Jesus Christ through revelation. There is no other way but through revelation, which is what Jesus testified to in Matthew eleven twenty seven, when he said this, All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Is it any wonder that Paul then testified this in Philippians 3, 7 and 9, all in relation to the life that can only come through knowing him 
through this crucifixion and this resurrection, which we've looked at as a position of one. Philippians 3, 7 to 9. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. These are the things that Paul once thought were powerful and he lived for as Saul. He's saying they are nothing compared to the knowing of Christ. Listen, he goes, more than that, I count all things to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. All things now are lost compared to this knowing for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. These three verses are so life-giving and testify highly to the life that comes by knowing whom through this divine revelation. I want to stress again that we don't come into this reality by seeking the reality. We come into this reality by wanting to know him. It's not a wanting to know him so I can come into this reality, but purely a wanting to know him to know him for who he really is. When this is our true heart posture, then we are free from the anger, the frustration, the disillusionment, the timing of it all, the when will it happen, and why isn't it happening posture and position of the heart. And we can just enjoy the journey and the pursuit of coming into a living knowledge of our Lord and Savior. It is now from this abiding, knowing posture of spirit that the Spirit can renew our minds to the mind of Christ. And we start processing all that is concealed in Christ and possessing these things, seeing it through the lens called faith. We now genuinely start living lives by faith, which is a reality that sees and knows what is in Christ. It's not a blind reality based more on wishful thinking or a false knowledge. This is what crucified Paul to the world and the world to Paul and would continue to the more he received the revelation of his Lord and Savior. Let's finish this message with Galatians 1, 11 to 17, which as a whole depicts everything I've stated in this message. Galatians 1, 11 to 17. For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism, how I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for the ancestral traditions. But when God, who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned once more to Damascus. Let's just have a look at verse 11. What Paul spoke of, what he uttered, what he testified to into the earth was not of earth, but purely of heaven, the eternal unseen realm. 
the very words he spoke were from a completely other dimension, even though what he spoke came from a Hebrew dialect. It was not Hebrew or Greek, but purely the spiritual word of God. The word of God is spirit. This is the exact same word which Hebrews 11.3 speaks to and Genesis 1.3 speaks of. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. In Genesis 1.3, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. This gives us incredible insight now into verse 12, where Paul says the gospel he declared, that he spoke of, that he testified to, was neither taught by man to him, nor learnt through man, as he was previously as Saul under Gamaliel, but only came to him through a revelation of Jesus Christ. What Paul received in him that was changing him didn't come from things which are seen, but unseen. And this is where he spoke from. What crucified and resurrected Paul didn't come from earth, but the eternal one. What was making and building Paul wasn't coming from the visible, seen realm. Verse 13 and 14 gives testimony to Saul and where Saul got his knowledge from, the seen realm. These verses testify to the earth and the earth's strength and pride and how demonic this realm and reality is. It is completely moving in the opposite direction to the eternal. It is anti-Christ. Verse 15 is the cosmic transition, but when God, three powerful words which describe a life-altering and transformative change deep in the recesses of Paul's heart. But when God revealed his son in me, wow, life as a brand new creature began. This is the power of the gospel through the revelation of Jesus Christ.